You're listening to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Our guest today is Jazir Brooks, founder of SIFTchain. This episode is brought to you by the Bitcoin.com exchange, the exchange you can trust. Buy and sell Bitcoin as well as 250 digital assets. The Bitcoin.com exchange is secure, fast, easy, and reliable. Register within seconds and buy crypto with a credit or debit card. Join our community of traders now. Exchange.bitcoin.com. I'm your host, Dustin Planthold. Join us as we dive into the world of economics, politics, tech, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. For even more crypto-related news, sign up at news.bitcoin.com or follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin.com. Now let's bring on our guest. Jazir, welcome to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Hi, right, great to be here. Uh, thanks for coming. And so SIFTchain, uh, talk to us a little bit more about SIFTchain. Yeah, sure. So SIFTchain is an omni-chain DEX. We're actually targeting getting cross-chain communication with as many uh, other blockchains as we can. We're looking at at least 20 to 25 plus open sourcing bridge schematics. And I really feel like this is the next evolution in uh, cross-chain technology. Um, we've got things like ThorChain that are bridging to a couple of chains, uh, Poly Network, and a few other cross-chain um, platforms, but nothing's really delivering um, the Uniswap or Balancer uh, type experience where AMM DEX is, but really omni-chain, and that's our, our goal. Now, where was the problem? I mean, you were looking at it from the outside in. Where did you see the biggest problem in the world of the exchanges? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, if you look at it as an Ethereum user, I was actually really big into a couple tokens like um, YFI, uh, Synthetics. I'm a huge, huge fan of those. And I always got really frustrated when the network became congested and slowed down. Actually, sometimes, um, you know, running a crypto business and paying people with crypto, um, I had issues where the transactions would take a while just to send payments, um, you know, to my staff or my vendors. And so I really needed to make sure that we had a solution that was substantially faster, which is what we're getting with a Cosmos SDK chain. But then beyond that, you know, a, a lot of investors, I'm sure you can agree, um, have a lot of holdings in tokens that are not uh, Ethereum based. Um, and they, they really want to get use of some of those assets on, on other chains, like a Litecoin or a Cardano or a Tezos. And so we really wanted to bring DeFi to those chains so that people could get use from the assets they have. Uh, that's a great way of putting it. Now, blockchains, I mean, are blockchains walled gardens? Um, they are designed to be as open as possible. Um, so for permissionless public blockchains, the kinds that we're talking about, um, they're supposedly these things where anyone can connect and submit a transaction. Um, the real issue is getting money onto or out of the blockchain system, right? Like right now, traditionally, if you want to exchange some fiat currency, which is what most people have, for a blockchain token, you're going to a centralized exchange. And that can be useful, but there's a lot of confusion around how those work. Um, whereas with a decentralized exchange, it would be substantially easier to move, say, money from a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin with you know 300 billion or more in market cap to a blockchain like Ethereum with uh, 400-ish billion dollars, or even a blockchain like uh, Cosmos, which has about a billion dollars in market cap. But if you wanted to do that, you would have to build some extra bridging technology to move assets from a larger blockchain to a smaller one, and that's where we come in. Those, that's the kind of software we build. Now, now, talk us through that process. I mean, how do you bridge that gap? I mean, what 
How do you get it from one to the other? Tell us, tell us the process. Got it. Well, there are a few ways to do this, but they all kind of hinge on the same architecture. So what you're really doing is you're running a node, and I use node as a very generic term. Could be a validator in a proof of stake system. Could be a um, you know the equivalent of a validator that you run on a proof of work system, sort of a custom node, if you will. Uh, but basically, you're running some kind of node on both a destination chain, which is where you want the money to go, and the source chain, which is where the money is coming from. And so um, if you're running this node on both chains or processing transactions that happen on both chains, then um, if something happens on a source chain where the, the uh, tokens are moved from a user's wallet to a particular node wallet, then that node wallet will then send out a message. It'll broadcast a message. And this doesn't really um, need to have anything particularly um, unique ha occur. Anytime you, you move uh, money from one wallet to another, a transaction is added to a blockchain on that source chain. And so some any, any watcher is available. And so um, what will happen is a relayer will, will take the message um, that, that the source chain tokens have been moved on the source chain um, and it'll relay that to the destination chain. And so long as the destination chain can receive this message, um, it now ha it knows that it has the capacity to mint a PEGS token on the destination chain. And that's pretty much how every single blockchain bridging software works. Wow. Now, when did this idea come to you? I mean, I love the entrepreneur's mind. Like, what was your aha moment? And then what has it taken to get here? I mean, how many hours have you had to put in? How many hours have your developers had to put in to, to get to the spot? Yeah, good question. This has been a bit of an odyssey, I would say. Um, so first off, this kind of came uh, around in some of the Thor chain work, some of the early Thor chain work in like 2018, uh, when, when me and a couple of guys in the anonymous Thor chain board were trying to figure out how you could just trade cryptocurrencies across blockchains in an easy way. And we tried a bunch of different technologies. Uh, Cosmos is obviously what we settled on and Binance chain. But before that, uh, there was a strong look at Komodo and some other cross-chain software. So, I mean, we really, really like, you know, ran the gamut on that stuff. Did a lot of iteration on the Thor chain model, ended up removing an order book, ended up changing a lot of other architecture that I won't go into. Um, that seems sort of spun off and independently did, um, you know, the launch on Binance chain, which we're extremely proud of, got from around a million to two million in market cap, topping out at around 150. And now I think it's at like 60 or 70. Um, you know, definitely uh, one of the, the, the greatest products I've ever been involved in. And I, I'm really proud of, you know, the entire team that's been able to take some of the early work we did and run with it. Um, but it, it wasn't really enough for us. There were some kind of concerns we had about the architecture as solid as it is and wanted to you know, take additional cracks. Um, we ended up building some uh, other models for the Cosmos ecosystem, um, bridging the, the Ethereum and Cosmos um, networks, and also looking at other bridging software we could do for other things like P-tokens, um, Polkadot. I, I won't bore you with sort of the specifics, but you know, our team has been involved in a lot of the cross-chain infrastructure in a lot of different projects throughout the ecosystem. And we sort of ended up honing in on this SIF chain design when we realized that the pegging model that we worked with on, on the, the Cosmos side really hit the sort of middle of the road best practice 
between something that's super trusted and effectively centralized, like a WBTC model, and something that is very decentralized but requires heavy-handed amounts of implementation, like um, you know, uh, double fully light client verification um, consensus, which I won't bother you with, except to say that it takes a really long time. It's great if you can do it, but um, you know, it's not something that's necessarily market ready for a lot of chains. And so, we once we had that really good bridging design. We already knew we had pretty good logic around the AMM marketplace. Um, and so it was just a matter of getting the team together, reaching out to friends and family for investment, and then really just iterating. And so I'd say for SIF chain itself, we've been working on that for about four months. Wow. So in that, in the investor raise, I mean, how do you sell investors on a space that, <clears throat> excuse me, is so new? I mean, what did you have to tell them? How did you, how do you convince them to see the future with you? Yeah, you know, I think crypto is really interesting. Um, we subscribe to this idea that Sam Hart from Interchain talks about, uh, which is um, market protocol fit. And that's a little bit different from protocol market fit. The difference when you're thinking about a standard Web2 investor, we, they're looking for product market fit, which is to say, is the product that you're building something that the market is going to buy and sell, or ideally buy, um, but that you can sell? Um, for a reasonable price um, with sufficient volume that you can sustain the business and increase the equity um, that they're they're investing in. And that's a really standard thing to look for. Uh, you know, most investors are looking for that in the Web2 space and outside of software. However, with crypto, we see something slightly different, which is the protocol market fit. And really, that's just, can you write a cryptocurrency protocol um, for exchanging assets that is going to build a market around it that's strong enough that speculators and developers and long-term investors and the like can really get behind being engaged in your token um, as you add and remove products or even just figure out what products can be developed in the ecosystem. And I think that's substantially different. Um, so there's an article on this you can, you can take a look at if you want more interest, um, if you have more interest. But the long story short is that we were able to convince investors that given our previous track record with building really great high quality software uh, in the cross-chain space and delivering an asset that is already appreciated substantially in value uh, with Rune, that we were going to be able to get SIF chain right over time by building a market. And so I think that is really what investors were interested in. And once we were able to communicate that, they had a little bit of an easier time digesting the rest of the value proposition. That, that's great. Now talk to the entrepreneurs out there in terms of community. How do you build a community from the bottom? What were the steps? What have you learned? And I would say, what would you give you advice on? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. It's actually something we're still trying to figure out now. Um, you know, to be honest with you, we have seen a lot of different strategies and we're still iterating. Um, if you look at our social media, I'll be honest. I mean, we're getting a couple of likes here and there on Twitter. We've got a decent following on Telegram, um, WeChat, and Discord. And I'm really proud of that. But we actually haven't really engaged that much in marketing and community development as of yet. However, we've seen way stronger uptake than we expected at all in our test net, right? We got, um, we're actually now on 130 at least uh, test net validators. And we were looking for something like 20 wow. because given that there's no marketing, it's, it's really, yeah, exactly. I, I was thought, um, and it's not just that they're 
they're involved in the test net. We've got people setting PRs, um, pull requests to our code. We've got people setting up their own public uh, pull requests. Um, actually, like they're in many cases, you know, helping out our developers with like things that we really needed to get done. Um, and so we're kind of rethinking this whole thing. I'll tell you where our head is at right now. Um, the first is that this is an open source project. And so we look to um, big uh, crypto projects like Ethereum and Bitcoin, but we also look at big uh, projects outside of crypto like Linux and Wikipedia. And we say like, how is it that we can galvanize a huge um, set of, of uh, you know, contributors towards a common goal? We've often said that the CIF chain core team or CIF core, as we call ourselves, is the temporary stewards of the protocol. Um, ultimately, CIF DAO, the community, is really responsible for this. And we just need to set up a subset, uh, like a proper transition. Um, the second thing I would say is that um, unlike standard open source software development communities, um, this is uh, you know going to become a DAO. It's it's a marketplace and so on and so forth. So we really see the builders as the first members of the community. Um, now, whether that's you're building software or you're building you know memes or um, helping to spread the message or whatever, like anyone who comes in contact with us in any capacity. They're the first members of the community. And so you want to make sure that your partners, your team, and so forth, like they're happy. Um, and then I guess the third thing I would say is that the message, I think, should be pretty authentic and genuine, right? Like if you're here because you think the asset price is going up, that's great. That's fine. That's totally a, a cool thing to do. Make sure you participate in a more mature ecosystem like a YFI, like a Compound, like a DXDAO or something so that you get a sense for like what community members who are engaged in tokens with um, you know strong upside potential that have already see received solid gains. Make sure you get a sense for what those guys are looking for, and then bring that same attitude and seriousness, but but authenticity to your community. I think if you can keep those three things in mind, you'll have a good opportunity. That's a great way of putting it. Now let's talk about expectations. I mean, heavy is the head that wears the crown. The expectations on you, I imagine at times must be or appear to be unrealistic. How do you manage expectations? And how do you use your time? I mean, when the goals are big, the expectations are big, where do you spend your time? Beautiful question. Um, first off, I would say one difference between us and standard cryptocurrency projects, uh, we really feel like most of the cryptocurrency space has been driven by a research style of coding, which means you're taking really hard, complex problems and you're getting research engineers who love solving really hard, complex problems. Um, in a room to figure them out and then deliver some software. This can be very helpful, and I'm sure it was extremely important in the early days of cryptocurrency. And I still see dominance in terms of like 90% or more of the space being led by developers like that um, today. Uh, the pros are that you get really smart people, as I've mentioned. The cons are that these engineers can change their minds on random features. Uh, there are substantial delays. Uh, there's often confusion in communication. Um, these are things that researchers just don't think about as much because they're focused on delivering papers and proofs of concept and the latest and greatest um, in, in the research space, not necessarily on delivering what end customers want. Um, we come from a different background. We come from the industry style of coding where you have to deliver work consistently on time in a way that people can understand. And so we're very grateful to forebearers like the people in the Cosmos community, which we're still heavily involved with, um, and people in other uh, open source ecosystems um, that have paved the way and solved a lot of these research questions. But right now, we set our expectations with our team, 
that you've got to get your sprint work, which is two weeks worth of work, done consistently on time. Um, we make that very clear. You know, your your ability to stay with the team is heavily predicated on your ability to meet deadlines. And then that allows us to um, communicate deadlines to our user base. And yeah, there's always times when, you know, you can't properly specify what happens or, you know, what exactly a feature should look like and the like. And there's iteration. We understand that, right? We're not extremely, um, you know, unrealistic in our expectations. But we do set very, very high standards with our team around meeting deadlines and goals. And we do our absolute best as a company um, to deliver against that. And then once you have a reputation like that, and we've carried that reputation outside the crypto space and moved it into the crypto space and then specifically into, um, you know, the space that we're using for SIFChain, once you have that kind of deadline, um, it becomes a little bit easier to do longer term planning. And so for me, I would say I've spent a lot of time managing the development team, scaling it up. We've got a lot of really top tier um, engineers. So I'm really proud of that. Um, as we've been able to deliver our infrastructure and so on, I've been able to take a step back from that a little bit. And now I'd say a lot of my time is spent writing job descriptions for new talent. Um, we've definitely got a lot of jobs on cryptocurrencyjobs.co um, and some How other. Ah, uh, so you probably just heard my uh, my Alexa go off. Got a lot of meetings set up. So um, yeah, that, that I get uh, notes from her every time a new one's coming up. Anyways, um, so aside from uh, you know marketing um, uh, and just you know that kind of thing, making sure that we can broadcast the message. Yeah. Um, like I said, we also doing job descriptions. Um, so there's stuff on cryptocurrencyjobs.co. Um, if you like what we're doing, definitely reach out over Twitter. Um, we're also looking, as I said, for um, uh, on Twitter for Type Y teams, which is um, um, an SBF, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried Bankman uh, quote, around teams that can really help deliver but don't necessarily need much direct guidance. We're happy to collaborate with groups like that. Uh, but anyway, you know, we're trying to get more, more groups like that uh, and, and individuals and teams into the ecosystem to collaborate with us. Um, and I, I think a lot about that. I also think a lot about marketing, right? Starting to do outreach um, on, on uh, you know, programs like this to make sure that uh, people really understand what we're up to. And uh, then there's like future planning, right? So thinking about the community. Um, so we actually had a chat with um, a really solid pure open source uh, researcher um, who's helping us think through how to manage open source communities. Uh, we do a lot of the crypto economics, I'd say it's another big one, right? Just figuring out um, how the model should work in our ecosystem. Um, yeah, I'd say there's a lot of stuff besides the pure engineering that I've been gracious enough to be able to spend my time on. But you're right, schedule management is tough. I start every day very early. I end every day um, relatively late. And, uh, you know, but at the end of the day, I'm very passionate about this. And I found that, um, you know, the energy that I'm getting from the team and the community is reflecting my energy, which is that we all believe that the mission we're working on is so critical that it's worth you know, getting a little bit of confusion around what even is a priority at any, at any point in time. Yeah, I mean, passion is contagious, but it starts at the top. It it, it starts with them seeing that you're going to outwork them, that you're going to be the first one in and that you're going to be the last one to leave. So how do we learn more about SIFChain? Go to www.sifchain.finance. We've got a lot of information there. I would say you can also take a look at the Twitter, SIFChain. Uh, and we have a lot of code up, so you can go to github.com slash Um We are trying to release more material. Um, apologies if there's any question you have that doesn't quite get addressed with um, what we've currently got up. But we're trying to pump out more things on documentation and marketing and blogs. So stay tuned for that as well. Thank you again for joining us on the Bitcoin.com podcast. Thanks for having us. You've listened to another episode of the Bitcoin.com podcast. 
subscribe at news.bitcoin.com, where your journey begins.